0: I agree with you that there is a natural aristocracy among men. The grounds of this are virtue and talents. Formerly, bodily powers gave place among the aristoi. But since the invention of gunpowder has armed the weak as well as the strong with missile death, bodily strength, like beauty, good humor, politeness, and other accomplishments— has become an auxiliary ground of distinction. There is also an artificial aristocracy, founded on wealth and birth, without either virtue or talents, for with these it would belong to the first class. The natural aristocracy I consider as the most precious gift of nature for the instruction, the trusts, and government of society." And, indeed, it would have been inconsistent in creation to have formed man for the social state and not to have provided virtue and wisdom enough to manage the concerns of society. Since
1: the invention of television and radio, speeches also have become landmark expressions of American ideals. One of them was President John Fitzgerald Kennedy's stirring inaugural address in 1960.
0: Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. In
1: 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. inspired millions when he declared in a speech at the Lincoln Memorial.
0: I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream my four little children one day may live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. President Ronald
1: Reagan also expressed the country's hope and optimism by envisioning America in symbolic, even mythical terms. Speaking to a convention of religious broadcasters in 1983, President Reagan spoke of God's love for the world and said,
0: With God's message and your conviction and commitment, we can still move mountains. We can work to reach our dreams and to make America A Shining City on a Hill.
1: These writings and speeches highlight America's most fundamental democratic values, such as the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They also reveal the country's fundamental social values, such as those cited by Everett E. Dennis, Executive Director of the Gannett Center for Media Studies at Columbia University. Activism and Hard Work achievement, efficiency, materialism, progress, freedom, individualism, equality, morality, humanitarianism, and conformity. Finally, American history's key documents and speeches also express the nation's basic religious values. These generally include the separation of church and state, toleration of religious pluralism and respect for the individual conscience. To be sure, Americans do not always live up to the country's highest values, such as those expressed in the
2: Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
1: Many people, for example, would deny that the United States is a nation under God. Although the nation does remain a powerful and essentially unified political entity, the word indivisible does not accurately describe the serious differences and conflicts that arise from its extraordinary diversity. And there are many serious complaints about the country's failure to achieve liberty and justice for all. Some Americans are racists, treating others either fairly or unfairly because of their skin color. Of course, race is a cosmetic condition that's utterly beyond anyone's control, and it is irrelevant to someone's moral worth or status. Other Americans are ethnocentrists. They judge others in terms of an ethnic identity that also has nothing to do with personal merit or moral worth. Still other Americans are sexist. Their views about gender overwhelmingly influence how they treat people, as if one's chromosomes, in and of themselves, are the source of human dignity. And many more Americans allow other things beyond personal control, such as age or the economic class of one's parents, to affect whether or not they treat someone with respect, dignity, or tolerance. Clearly, racist, sexist, and ethnic prejudices are obstacles to a unified sense of goodwill and well-being. Many such prejudices have become objects of increasing national concern, even a national obsession of sorts. There has emerged a long list of angry accusations against racism, sexism, ageism, ableism, elitism, homophobia, and uncountable other prejudices that fair and decent people supposedly don't have. The authors Allen and Teresa von Altendorf have pondered the proliferation of these intellectual categories in the preface to their 1993 book entitled, Isms.
3: For almost every situation we could conjure, someone has an ism. Maybe it's our obsession to explain, our desire to vilify, celebrate, and place everything in order that has led us to set all things from the sublime to the ridiculous, in little ism boxes. And yet, as this book amply shows, isms have become not only a way of life, but also, so often, an accepted way to explain who someone is, how someone behaves, how someone feels, and why something happens. We are our isms.
1: Elsewhere, the authors have added this note of caution.
3: We are alarmed at the growing ismization of the language. Shallow thinkers believe they can give credibility to any trendy thought just by adding ism to the end of a word. But adding ism is too often a shortcut past the hard work of defining concepts fully and describing behaviors thoroughly. This is especially true of the recent politically correct accusations in vogue on U.S. campuses. Words like heightism and weightism employ our favorite suffix only to make their half-baked concepts sound respectable.
1: Many would agree that some isms are little more than paranoid reactions to imagined slights. But there's also no doubt that other isms reflect well-founded complaints about injustice. Prejudice may occur both in overall social patterns and in the thoughtless or even hostile way one individual treats another. Part of this shortcoming is simply human fallibility. We don't always do what we should do, but sometimes we don't know what is right. And this is often because our ideals conflict with one another as the historians Will and Ariel Durant note in their book, Lessons of History.
2: Freedom and equality are sworn and everlasting enemies, and when one prevails, the other dies. Leave men free, and their natural inequalities will multiply almost geometrically, as in England and America in the 19th century, under laissez-faire. To check the growth of inequality, liberty must be sacrificed, as in Russia, after 1917. Even when repressed, inequality grows. Only the man who is below the average in economic ability desires equality. Those who are conscious of superior ability desire freedom. And in the end, superior ability has its way Utopias of equality are biologically doomed, and the best that the amiable philosopher can hope for is an approximate equality of legal justice and educational opportunity.
1: Especially in a large and diverse country like the United States, opinions and attitudes can vary widely about exactly what is meant by words like equality, justice, or liberty.